this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we're back with an album review, but it's not just any album review, Jay. Oh, yeah? What's so special Dude. about it? It's our Halloween episode. <laughs> Insert Spooky. Halloween sounds. Yeah, we're going to make this a tradition. I decided upon that. Last year we did the Groovy Ghoulies, thanks to Eric Peterson's pick. It was a perfect holiday pick for the uh, All Hallows' Eve. And I said, hey, this one lands on the 30th, the day before Halloween. Let's do another one. So we made it our third quarter contest. Whoever was a Patreon subscriber by the end of the third quarter of 2018 got their name entered. And I used a internet randomizer website to, after assigning a number to each name. And uh, the the number came back, and the winner joining us from I forget is it Chicago? Is that right? Right, right outside of Chicago, Brookfield. Welcome, OC. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me, guys. I'm glad uh, I've, I have this opportunity for you. Tell everyone for this evilest of episodes what you have chosen to. <laughs> Well, when I was thinking about uh, the spirit of Halloween, I think of I think of haunted houses, I think of costumes and scary movies uh, that usually include a, a bit of gore uh, and all that type of stuff. And mm-hmm. I kind of thought that uh, the most uh, perfect Halloween band I could come up with uh, was Guar. Uh, you know, uh, and I hear their their opus is uh, Scum Dogs of the Universe from 1990. Excellent. Jay, were you familiar yes. with Guar? Other, I mean, you probably knew the name, but had you ever yeah. listened to them or seen them live? Never seen them live. I remember, uh, yeah, I remember them quite a bit. They were on uh, Headbangers Ball, which I was a big fan of in the early 90s, uh, in the late 80s. And I remember they would poke, like, pop up in the news here and there, I remember, in kind of the, that time period as well. Um, or make appearances on different things on MTV. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of heard some of the music and was well aware of the, the image and what the, what the deal was. I had neither listened to them or seen them live, but like you, I had seen them as a part of sort of culture. Yeah. I think they were, I think like they got either arrested or were warned about like, their displays of violence and sex and that kind of stuff, sexual innuendo in, in the nineties. I want to say like, you know, probably traveling through certain Southern States that that happened. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure where, but I I think that that popped up on, you know, the MTV news more than once. And I also remember, I don't know if you remember this Jay, but when we worked at the radio station at Bowling Green's uh, Falcon radio, they would often have ticket giveaways mm-hmm. that we would announce on air, and it was usually for Columbus at the Newport, or it was at uh, Toledo at the Asylum. And I'm pretty sure Guar was the giveaway more than once. Yeah, when Guar tickets, and we had bumpers with like Guar music 
We're like, win tickets for Guar by listening to blah, 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 and being the no whatever caller and that kind of stuff. So yeah. that's my exposure to Guar. So now, see, have you seen them live? So, uh, yeah, I've seen them live a couple times, um, but not, not back in uh, what I, I would assume is their heyday. Um, I saw them live probably circa 2008-ish. Um, and then another once or once and a half since, uh, at, at different, uh, festival appearances. So, you know, uh, it, with Guar on the bill, like in between bands, I can definitely, uh, manage to swing 20, 25 minutes to catch them, uh, in between acts. But, uh, I've definitely seen them, uh, I've, I've gone out and paid to see a Guar show, uh, before it, it's definitely, it, it's a sight to be seen. I would imagine so. So a little history on the band for everybody who's not familiar. They were from, or they are from Richmond, Virginia. They are still active. Uh, Started in 1984. And uh, they've had a lot of members. The main, I guess, I I guess what happened was there was actually a couple different bands. There were two different bands that were formed, that came together to form Guar, which seems very appropriate. Uh, one was called <laughs> Death Piggy, and it was fronted by um, Dave Brocky, who I believe passed away mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Yeah, 2015 or 16, I think. Uh, heroin overdose in 2014. Yeah. Yes. 14, um, okay. But they have actually gone on and, and other people... So they was playing a particular character, and other people have stepped in to play characters, to not necessarily his character, but filled the role um, I of think, his character. Yeah, I, I don't think... I think they retired the uh, the character. I think his name was Odorous Arungus. Yes. Uh, and I definitely don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But um, but yes, I, I've seen them since, and they, they, that same character was not on the stage. So currently there are no original members in the band. This is like an 80s metal band. This is like mm-hmm. when, like, Rat Tours and, like, you know... There's nobody from it's only Bobby Blotzer. So the original lineup was uh as mentioned, it was Dave Brocky and then uh Ben Eubanks, who played the character of Johnny Slutman. <laughs> I love the names. <laughs> Ross Bahorsky, yeah, which was Mr. That. Magico, uh, which is not all that scary. Um Chris Bothpest on bass, uh he played ball sack and uh, <laughs> and uh Sean Sumner who had no nickname. He was the drummer. So the drummer got, uh, but he was replaced a year later by, um, Jim Thompson who played Hans Sfichter slash Hans orifice. And then he was the drummer for a number of years. We're not going to go through all the names and just go to the Wikipedia page and you'll, you'll get the, the it's list. Pretty of, extensive. It's pretty extensive. It's pretty amazing. Um, most of those characters don't, don't actually even make it all the way to 1990. Uh, do that no I no think the only one that i saw Ballsack is still on there but uh the, everybody else was replaced right so this is their second record came out in 1990 first record was hell o came out in 1988 scum Do- scum dogs of the universe came out in 1990 on metal blade records of course um it is to date the band's best-selling record and it it's concept album explaining how Guar, the scum dogs, their reign of terror over the uh, planet Earth. And uh, yeah. on this record is Otis Arungus, Arungus uh, 
Dewey Rowell, who played uh, Flatus Maxi- Maximus, uh, Mike Dirks, who is Balsack, the Jaws of Jaws of Death, Michael Bishop on bass, Beefcake the Mighty, Brad Roberts on drums, who played Jismac Degusha, uh, Danielle Stamp on backing vocals, she was Slimenstra Hyman, and uh, Chuck. Uh, also contributed uh, vocals Chuck Varga, who was the executioner, Don Draculich, Sleazy P. Martini. He did the vocals on Slaughter Rama. So there, that's everybody that was involved in this record. So interesting to note, the there's two songs that were not included in all the versions. So track five, The Years Without Light, and track 13, Cool Place to Park. They're only on certain versions of the release. Apparently, this has gotten a, a number Ooh. of different releases. Now, if you go onto like Spotify, I believe, or whatever streaming service you use that has this, um, it should have all thirteen. Um, so you might be holding a CD in your hand and being like, "There's only eleven songs on this record." Like, nope, actually, there was supposed to be thirteen. I'm, I'm not sure of the why that uh, didn't you know, stay consistent across uh, all releases, but that's what the, uh, the Wikipedia says. So the one I listened to at all 13. Okay. So they have been consistently releasing records. They have albums out basically from 88 to 2017, every two to three years. And in the nineties are even more consistent. It was like every other year or every year. So that was, I get, like you said, that was kind of their heyday. So, Let's get into talking about this record. Scum Dogs of the Universe, 1990, from War. This was your first time listening to this, right, OC? So tell us one thing you liked about this record. Well, I have to say, I might be at a little bit of a disadvantage than some of your guests, because I think there's a lot of people who come on and pitch something that's really, really close to them. Uh, or, or you have some experts on a round table, but I, I just, I I'm familiar with Guar. This is actually the first time I've, uh, this is actually the first time I've dove into a record uh, of Guar's just to, uh, kind of unpack it. Um, but after listening to scum dogs, uh, I, I think the, the greater Guar universe, uh, is pretty entertaining. Uh, it's clearly, uh, it, it's definitely a love hate band for, uh, just about anybody, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's a. I think it's a band that you have to take uh, with a bit of a sense of humor at times. Uh, and you can't look at that; you're, you're not going to make it too far into the record. Uh, and you know, e- even then, there's probably some things that are too offensive for my taste. But I think that uh, just uh, humor and entertainment uh, it, it works on a lot of levels for me uh, if you can take it lightly. Okay. Jay, what's something that you liked about the record? Well, I think it's a pretty uh, interesting mashup of um, heavy sounds. You know, I uh, actually, <clears throat> some of this sounds like uh, Anthrax, which is a band we just recently re- reviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, both the John Bush era and the sort of earlier thrashier era. Um, but then you hear like some Sabbath in here. You hear some Metallica. I heard some L7. It gets a little bit alternative at times, um, which I was kind of surprised on. I was expecting it to be yeah, um, pretty much pure metal all the time. Uh, vocally, they change it up enough to, to keep it pretty um, engaging. 
between either having different singers or different styles of singing or sp- spoken stuff or whatever. Um, I think the part I liked the most, though, was the, the lead guitar stuff on here. It's actually pretty creative. And I think it helps a lot of these songs kind of reach a, a space that's a little bit more distinctive um, musically, really melodic. There's a couple parts on here, a couple guitar leads that even have like a alternative 80s feel to them. So uh, like Sick of You, for example, uh, I really like the guitar work on that song. Um, I think it really elevates it to a, you know, uh, to, to actually being a pretty, pretty fun, like heavier rock song. Um, so, you know, there's some moments on here where I think there's, you know, a ton of creativity and I, I think it's a, it's a kind of a fun mix up of, of everything from heavier punk to thrash to, you know, hard rock to metal. So, um, from that aspect that uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Just to follow up on that. I think when I was listening to this, I was expecting just sort of, uh, a goofy take on metal, but there was definitely a little bit more going on. And I was expecting mm-hmm. there's some of that like mid to late 80s, like crossover between hardcore and punk uh, mm-hmm. and or, or hardcore and, and metal um, that you started to hear with like a band like, like you mentioned with Anthrax, but like Suicidal Tendencies or some other stuff that like sort of track eight. Uh, Vlad the Impaler is a, a good example of that where it's not quite metal. Um, they, there is some like double kick stuff, but it also kind of touches on a little bit of like 80s hardcore sound almost, which is weird. I wasn't expecting that. And like you said, there's like almost in some ways like like an alt metal, which again, kind of weird. I was not like expecting, I was expecting like a straightforward kind of like in the way that like the misfits kind of stick to like one kind of sound or formula in terms of doing their, uh, um, you know, presentation. Um, yeah. which I did hear some some misfits in like the gang vocal stuff that was mm-hmm. going on in some of the songs. I was an obvious like yeah. you know nod to them. Um uh, but then uh, there was other times where I was like listening to it and I'm like this isn't far off from like a quiet riot song. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It it touched they, on a lot of different things. They approached some anthems, there's no doubt about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It goes without saying though that, you know, like what OC mentioned, this is a band that's like heavily driven by their live show. So I was trying to like listen to this, not just in terms of well, what are what do the songs sound like, but like I really tried to hone in on like the lyrics and like, well, what, what would be going on, you know, live. Mm-hmm. So like a song like Slaughterama, 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 I don't know. What you, how do you say that? Yeah. Like that to me, like on record sounds kind of goofy and not all that. Like it sounds like a bad Beastie Boys song. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when I put it in the like mindset of like, well, what would this be like live? Like this might actually be pretty entertaining live. So it got me thinking about like comparisons to other soundtracks for like, you know, like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, for example. You know, there's sure. there's songs for that that I don't know that they necessarily work as well away from the visual presentation. Some of them do, but not all of them. And uh, it just got me thinking about like a band that relies so heavily on a visual presentation. Can they pull it off on a 13 song record? And I'm curious about, you know, not knowing enough about the band, how much of the visual is decided before the song is written and how much of the song informs what they're doing visually. So I'll ask you this, OC, when they're performing live, is it basically a show in the sense that like there are speaking parts in between songs and like there's a story or is it that they're playing a bunch of songs and they have like some stuff going on during the songs? I would say it's a, there is a narrative to the live show, uh, though there's not a whole lot of, uh, it wouldn't be, you know, a lot of scenes without music. Um, like one of the notes that I took down was that, that the song Slaughterama, that, that is kind of the prototypical type of Guar song that kind of reaches out to me. And I, I think like, okay, I see exactly what they would be doing on stage. Right. Uh, Slaughterama, the, the song is kind of like, uh, you know, it was a game show and they reference uh, what killing hippies and Nazis and such. And, right. Um, so during, during the, uh, you know, it's, it's a loose narrative. It's not going to be anything, uh, uh, tied too tightly to the story, but you'd see them probably bring out some type of uh character. And they, you, I think every time I've seen them, I've seen a character get decapitated in the show. And then, uh, there's, uh, there's, you, they'll do that for a, a song and then maybe they'll just, that character will spray blood on the audience for, you know, another two, three songs while they, while they go to some songs that don't necessarily fit the narrative. Okay. Gotcha. So it's like Gallagher yeah, so, in that so way. For, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that's kind of a decent, a good, decent uh, analogy there. I mean, like when I saw them in 2008, it was in the middle of a presidential race and uh, they pitted the, the characters uh, against each other in an intergalactic space wrestling ring. Both were decapitated and sprayed blood on the audience. And, you know, that that's just kind of what Guar does. Uh, <laughs> and th- there is a story, um, even if it's like, uh, even if it's broken up in like a, into small little episodic portions that might not necessarily feed off of each other. Gotcha. Jay, I don't so, know about <laughs> you, but, um, you know, in listening to this, I'm reminded of there's a number of bands that like teeter on the edge of between like parody and, you know, like Steel Panther is like a parody of 80s metal. Yeah. But then you have a band like we've mentioned them before, like the Upper Crust. They're not really parroting. They're doing like a whole shtick. Like they have a whole thing that they're doing. Yeah. I mean, they're different characters. That right. They're not, they're not making fun. They're paying homage but they're doing it in a way that's fun and, you know, uh, in character. Right. And I, I was, I think I was expecting this to be like a bunch of bad, like metal 
used as a vehicle to tell these stories and these have these songs. But there's actually like quite a bit of musicianship that's going on yeah. on these songs. So it it, it makes it le- far less of a sort of a, a bad parody as much as like I, I would have been curious to or I, I'd still be curious to read some interviews about like why they decided to go this direction. Because clearly there's enough talent where like you could have just written just like sort of I guess you'd say straight, you know, rock or metal songs. But there, there was clearly mm-hmm. an interest in like horror and you know gore. I, I wonder if these guys were like, you know, really into really into uh, you know Night of the Living Dead and that kind of stuff and that sort of like. You know, That's interesting. Yeah, now I, I, I'm not really sure what their uh, what, what the beginning story of of all that is, but uh, it, it's really interesting to see uh, where 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 they switched from basic punk roots to the whole theatrical performance well it's obviously similar to kiss in that way right in terms yeah. of they're, they're probably closer that. to that in terms of like yeah i mean the music the the image is part of the music um at least mm-hmm. when it was started like you can't disconnect the two then there's characters there and sure i think this band took it in a slightly different direction obviously um <laughs> but <laughs> I, I I have to admit, you know, I I've always struggled with what I would consider. I use the term like joke rock when I was younger, and bands that were like trying to be too funny. I like didn't I didn't know how to take it. I didn't enjoy it very much. I'm finding as I get older, like I'm just able to understand it, or at least just be more open to different things. Lighten up. So junior. I was always, huh? So lighten up, junior. Well, <laughs> kinda. So I, you know, I get this more now. One of one thing I thought about was, um, especially with Slaughterama, since we're talking about that song. Do you guys remember the band Green Jelly? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um. So that was kind of musically the same kind of thing. Were they? Weren't they the same kind of image as Guar? I, I just remember that music video being played to death. Um, uh, three little pigs. The yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I remember that getting played to I, death. I too. can't remember the video. It was like a claymation style video. Yeah, it was like and musically. Animated. I think it sounded a lot like this. I remember the song. Yeah, it does kind of. It, it does sound in the same vein. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what, what where they yeah. they were coming from either. They were a considered comedy rock. Not as successful, I would say. Well, I'm not sure what. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure what uh, green. Green Jello are doing nowadays, but uh, um, Guar's still playing. Yeah. Yes, this is the show where people bet their lives to win something big. Cause when your life is shit, then you haven't got much to lose. I'm How do you hide money from a hippie? 
One interesting thing uh, when I was researching just a little bit of, uh, of the record is that they actually had their own destinations festival in Virginia uh, throughout like the, I, I don't know when it started, but it's the Guarby Q. So I, I don't think they do it every year, but uh, something meaningful is that uh, one of the last couple of Guarby Qs that they had they actually gave a Viking funeral to uh, the character of Odorous, which seems fitting for, for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think they have a bar. I think there's an actual guar bar. A guar bar? I think so. I, I'd have to, I want to double check that, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, that, that kind of gets, you know, I just find the, uh, I find the guar universe really interesting and kind of entertaining. Uh, and, you know, it, it, I'm sure that this is just a snippet of it. Uh, but from what I can tell, this is what the, what a lot of fans say. This is the, this is the, uh, the shining diamond in the discography. Yep. Guar bar opened in 2015 in Richmond, Virginia. All right. So you got to make a, a pilgrimage. <laughs> a pilgrimage to, to Virginia. All right. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll wait till the next, maybe uh, the next, uh, I'll wait till the next guar BQ. There you go. I heard a lot of, um, I heard a lot of New York influence on this band. Did you guys hear that? Like, there was definitely something, and I, I did, couldn't pin it down, but now that you say that, in terms of like their New York hardcore metal sound. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. kept thinking of New York bands whenever when I heard them. Sometimes when I heard the, um, when I heard the, uh, the, the punk roots, especially like uh, I think you referenced Vlad the Impaler earlier, mm-hmm. I started thinking about some like, uh, like Naked Ray Gun, uh, some, some of that, but... Uh, when when I yeah I thought of Naked Reagan when I heard some of the punk roots. Hmm, interesting. That would not have been a band that I had would have brought up. As a not, not all not all the time, but uh, no no no. Not, but for that but, yeah, I hear what you're saying. What's up with Sick of You? There's a uh, middle section where he sings in this totally different voice. Is that the same singer or is it a different person? It kind of sounds like a little bit like. An alt version, alternative version of Bon Scott. You know what I'm talking about? In the middle of that song, like he he says something like "Bring it down," and they like bring it down. And he goes into this like completely different voice. Is that a different person, or is that the that's the um that is the lead guitarist Mike Dirks Ballsack the Jaws of Death. Okay, he, he's credited with lead guitar, rhythm guitar, and backing vocals. Has, I really liked his voice. I was like, "Hey, I could hear a whole record of this guy singing." <laughs> we need a ball sack <laughs> solo track. record. Yeah, <laughs> like, I kind of dig this. There's a lot of different singers on the record. Yeah. So for them to not get to not let him shine a little bit more there, I don't know what the message was, but I don't know. And I think I think this coming out in 1990 is also interesting. Like 
1990 is the year we've reviewed the least. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This sounds a little ahead of its time. I don't know. It doesn't sound like 1990 to me. Like it sounds more like maybe middle 90s. It sounds um, more aware of itself than what you would expect in 1990. Yeah, yeah. and production-wise it's like I was expect I would expect it to be a little bit tinnier sounding and like more right. reverby. I mean not that there's not reverb on here, but we've reviewed some records from 90 where it's like huge echo sounds and like thinner tones and you know like right ladies production sounded like this sounds pretty beefy and um just musically is i don't know pretty unique for 1990 i mean yeah we we talked about some of the references but the way they bring some of these things together is it seems a little ahead of its time if i might say so (laughs) uh i never thought i would be this uh impressed musically with guar but i guess i was just going in with such low expectations that there you go I remember thinking about uh, after I said, "Yeah, yeah, let's let's review Guar." And then I'm like, "What did I get myself into?" I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to say, like my my expectations were all over the place <laughs> because, you know, I, I I had seen them live and it is a very entertaining experience. Uh, but really, I, I I I had never had any interest in going back to listen to it and see if it stands on its own. And uh, yeah, there's definitely a, a good handful that I that uh, are deserving of rotation, you know? Well, we haven't gotten to the what we didn't like part yet. Right, right, right. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I intentionally didn't want to say anything like that. But. So let's talk about that, Jay. Yeah. What, what was it about this record that maybe you didn't like? Well, I mean, vocally it's limited. You know, the, the main style of the vocal was um, a little tough to listen to a full record of the style. I think the second half of this record gets, you know, kind of into a boilerplate kind of format where there's not a whole lot of surprises left um, until the last song, uh, cold place to park. I think from horror of Yig through executioner, it's, it's pretty predictable at that point. So you just kind of like once you once you kind of get the band through the first half of the record, the sef- second half is just it seems like more of the same. I think that's my biggest thing I didn't like. It's just this is a it's a fun little uh, creative thing. Um, and it's fun to have, you know, stories and different characters and this all the whole other world. Uh, I don't know that I need, you know, nearly an hour of it four to five songs of it is, is great and fun. And then after that, it's like, okay, well I've kind of heard this already. 
So just uh, in general, I think the band is a little bit limited. And uh, so it just gets a little bit boring. Uh, I didn't say quite as engaged to the rest of the record as I did the first half. What about USC? What was, was there in going through this stuff that maybe didn't work as well for you? You know, I mostly piggyback off of uh, what you guys just said, that the, the second half gets a little bit repetitive. Um, you, you know, you get what – it gets more into more of what you just expect to hear from it. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I, I I think there's times where I think the uh, – I think I heard a little bit more chorus on the guitars than I really, really liked. Um, but I, I kind of feel that just coming from the eighties, maybe you're feeling some of that, uh, that hair metal guitar, uh, just kind of carry over, but you know, it, it, there's a lot of times where the, the guitars just do hit you in the chest. So I guess that, that I don't know, maybe I'm being a little nitpicky on that, but, um, I, I'm not sure I also needed 13 songs of it. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, when I, when I heard that there was an 11 song release, uh, and I think you mentioned, um, I forgot what two songs you mentioned. Was it uh, was a cool place to park and years without light and uh, yeah, those were both that that I probably would have skipped. And if it, if I had eleven songs, uh, I probably would have been a little bit happier. But um, yeah, just a, a little bit. You know, I think uh, you've said of of several '90s albums, maybe we didn't need to pack the CD with it. I'm genuinely surprised there are no skits. I would have mm-hmm. thought that this would be a band that yeah, would have yeah, yeah. a couple of skits between songs. Yeah. Well, Sexecutioner Sex and Slaughterama kind of get there. Right. Pretty close, right? I yeah. wonder if they have more skits in future ones, though. Yeah, that's true. That's oh, a good boy. Thing. I hope not. <laughs> Why? You, you going to start going through the... <sighs> Well, I just that, those are probably my least favorite. I mean, Slaughter Rama was fun to listen to one time, but I can't imagine like like my second and third time through, I was getting annoyed with it. Um, Sexecutioner, I found like difficult to listen to because at some point it's just like thrash metal with a guy yelling like talking over it loudly. <laughs> You're just like, oh, this is a lot to take in. I can't. I don't know what to focus Didn't on. Didn't necessarily need four minutes of it. Right. I believe that they start getting into skits on the 1994 record, This Toilet Earth, uh, which has a number of songs that are in like the, you know, 56 second to one minute and 28 second range that definitely okay. looked like they would be skit length. I don't, that, yeah. for, I don't know that for sure, but that's what just looking at the uh, it's also 16 tracks. Oh, boy. <laughs> Um, I, I feel like the, the thing that I found that didn't work for me and I, you brought it up Jay is I just found the uh, the vocal sometimes got lost for me where he's sticking to that like metal thrash format and I actually couldn't even I couldn't make out the lyrics as clear like on the first couple tracks I very, very clearly can make out what the lyrics are and then as they started mm-hmm. to go into the record because they were kind of getting the more formulaic sort of sounds like you guys mentioned I also found like the the vocals became sort of less important, and and quite frankly, some of the humor is like a little dated for me in terms of like oh sure there is some sure, there's some absolutely. stuff that I know they're being outrageous, I know they're intentionally trying to shock people and stuff like that, but uh, 
it just it just it didn't work so so some of that really didn't age well no no and i don't think we need to talk about uh why this didn't do more commercially or maybe on radio or <laughs> well that, that's uh... why i brought well that's why i brought up green jelly though is because that video was like big that year like yeah it got but it wasn't yeah it. this has got some language issues true and well there's some songs yeah. on here that not all of them do do they most of them and if they don't they have some other issues with regards to their humor and subject matter you know yeah you know does executioner have a bunch of bad words i don't remember but i know that there's some other issues (laughs) (laughs) so yeah this is this is definitely a cult band that is they're they're not getting out of that there's no way Uh, so let's talk overall rating. Worthy album, better EP, or decent single? OC, I'm starting with you. So this one's hard for me. Um, but all in all, well, one, two, three, four, five. Generally, the scale of what, what was seven songs? What was that? Uh, seven to eight is like your 70s album. You know, that's kind of where I'm at. There's a few that that like you you mentioned earlier, I I have to cringe at despite despite going in with a, you know, light sense of humor and trying to be entertained. I I still there's several songs and and parts of songs that are just very cringeworthy. So I'm at like seven songs. So I I guess that's one of those like just barely a barely uh, solid album. Um, you know, there's points where I, I could skip over, but, uh, you know, I, I think it works best as a whole, you know, I'd rather see, I'd rather hear a few back to back, um, and see, see it play in the, like I said before, the greater Guar universe, as opposed to, you know, just one here, one there. I'm going to go a solid album. Okay. Jay. Uh, I'm at an EP. I've got the Salamine. What is it? Mineizer. Salamineizer. I've read it as Salamineizer. 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 Sick of You, King Queen. I I like Cool Place to Park. It's different. I like that. Um, So I'm about four or five songs. uh, And I think this is a band that, like, if I was friends with them or managing them, I would encourage them to do EPs. I I don't know that like, and make them like, like super different too. That would be kind of fun. Like, cause you can hear they can do some different things on the record. It's just to do a whole record. I felt like it got to this place in the, at the like we mentioned in the second half where it's just like, they're just making songs, you know, there's sort of a little bit out of ideas. It's like, well, we got to fill this record out and, put a bunch of Guar songs on it. So let's just write a bunch more songs. Whereas I think it would be fun if a band like this would be, um, more focused on like doing these little EPs every year that are like very different thematic and like are more like stories, you know, I think that would be much more fun. So I'm at an EP. 
Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm I teeter on. I'm at about five songs, and most of the same ones that you mentioned. Uh, it doesn't quite get to an album status for me. Um, I think it works well. I mean, if they had split this into two EPs, maybe it would work better. But I needed some. I just needed some more variety. I feel like they could do it and pull it off in their style. Uh, if they had taken some more chances in terms of the sounds, because they almost go there in a few times and a few occasions where they they play with some other sounds, like you know, like I mentioned, uh, you know, track four, Slaughterama has a very like Beastie Boys kind of feel, mm-hmm. licensed to ill feel to it, and I feel like they that's a good ex- use of them playing around with that sound and, and they could have done that with some other different takes on things. Like what would it sound like if they tried to do an eighties U2 song? I don't know. Maybe it sounded stupid, right. but, but what the hell? Give it a shot. So sure. yeah, I'm at, I'm at more of an EP, but I'm gl- glad I listened to this finally. Cause this is a band that I was like, I will probably never listen to that band. And now I'm like, eh, I actually kind of like a couple <laughs> songs. I can uh, I can see where people dig this. I I don't know if I would want to go to a show because I really don't want to have to get red blood, whether you know fake or not. I don't want to get that sprayed on me. So, uh, not not a fan of interactive audience participation at at things like that. Uh, so Jay, maybe when maybe Zora will get into this. She likes <laughs> she likes the metal. Oh. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't be surprised going forward if highly uh, theatrical, interactive music is is what's popular live. Because how does this not have a it, like a show on Netflix? Why isn't there a Guar <laughs> show? That's a good. That's well, a good. Act, well, think about um, what is the uh, the, the Metalocalypse from uh, Adult Swim. You know, it's kind of the same of taking metal to the nth degree to some to some extent, right? I've actually never seen that. Have you guys ever seen that? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I mean, it, it, there's no there's no monsters from space, uh, but it's the, the premise is still you know taking, you know, normal metal that is turned up to eleven to just you know double down and crank it even higher. So it, it's kind of a, it, it's worth checking out. I, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, it's a, uh, it's worth checking out. All right. Were either of you guys thrown by like? Um, I was aware of the like the the supposed backstory where they're f- supposed to be from space. I was like, why don't they sing more songs about their planet? <laughs> <laughs> why are all their songs about like middle class uh, East Coast <laughs> culture? <laughs> they sang a what's the song? Uh, it's um, Death, Death Pot. I forgot where it was on the album. Isn't that one about a? Uh, they how how Guar came to Earth, more or less. Oh, is it? Yeah, I I, th- I think it is. See, it, that's I, I, that's an issue I there because it should I be sequenced better. Right, that needs to be track sure. one. That should be track one. Like here, we're explaining our story. We've come to Earth. We're the scum dogs of the universe. You know, like yeah. Give me the narrative in order. I, I think that's a fair criticism. <laughs> and, and then they can get into the their observations of American culture. Right. Sure. <laughs> Through the eyes of uh, it, it, Well, if, if they're just 
coming to Earth this late on the second record. What's the first one about? Right. right. Planning to come to Earth. It's just all about the planning. Like, we're building a ship. We're getting the coordinates to Earth. But but half you seriously, I'm like, if you're going to have a concept, like, commit to it. <laughs> yeah. Jay's very I, invested uh, in the story. He needs more, he needs it fleshed out. I, I'd argue they're pretty committed. I don't yeah. know. Some they, of this they, material they, is making me ask questions. <laughs> well, they've uh, been to dress like that for 25 years. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But they have their own bar now, so that's pretty cool. Correct. Uh OC, thank you for joining us on this episode. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to do this for our Halloween second Halloween episode ever. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. This was a lot of fun for me too. Awesome. If you are a listener, know that by being a patron, you could have done this and maybe you can do it next year by joining us at patreon.com forward slash dig me out for just a buck a month. You can join us to get bonus content. You can be entered into contests to win stuff like this and like our fourth quarter contest that's coming up soon and also get uh, to vote in polls, our monthly polls for albums we review that are suggested through our website. And of course, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. So on this very scary episode, (laughs) for Jay, for, for Jagged Knife Jay and Terrible Tim, we're out. And we'll be back next week with a ghoulish episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com. Ha, 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 ha.